0: It was the day before Thanksgiving, 1944. I was a 10-year-old boy walking home from school, a little slower than usual. Rather than being delighted about the long weekend ahead with no studies, no books, only the joy of thanksgiving with my family, my heart was heavy. Not only because we were plunged deep in World War II that was taking such a toll on our nation, but because of what had happened that morning in class. I attended a public elementary school and yet the routine was was very patriotic and sacred. Every morning, our teacher would lead us as we stood beside our desk in the Pledge of Allegiance, which we quoted from memory, of course, standing erect beside our desks, and then we would all bow and she would lead us in prayer day after day, week after week, all through the school year. But this morning was different. As she began her prayer, we noticed her voice cracked. She attempted to go on with her prayer But she found she was unable to do so and she broke into tears, which was frightening to us as a class of 10-year-olds. No one moved. She began to sob audibly. We couldn't imagine. She pulled herself together and sort of stumbled through the end of the prayer, which was meaningful, but brief. No one sat down as we always had done before. We remained standing. She looked across the room, wiped her tears, and began to explain why she was weeping. She had married her groom in January of that year and had lost him on the blood-washed shores of Omaha Beach on D-Day, June of 1944. The next day, she would experience something for the first time, Thanksgiving as a widow. It was almost more than she could bear. Her grief became ours, several of us cried with her. As I made my way home, I gave thanks for my family that I was not alone. And there was something special about that day that caused Thanksgiving to be set apart in my childlike mind. And to this day, it has become the single most meaningful national holiday that I ever celebrate. I pass that along to my family and to many friends and to every congregation I've served. I love thanksgiving not only because of how meaningful she made it, reminding me that in her prayer, we can be thankful regardless. Regardless. But I love it because it came from Lincoln's pen in the midst of the Civil War as our nation began to observe the holiday. And I love it because it bears a biblical name, like no other holiday. And I often remind myself and others, the the name is Thanksgiving, not thankskeeping. And because of what I learned in the classroom that day, I remember to this day that I am to give thanks regardless, not only for what he provides, but for what he withholds. Not only for those occasions where he blesses, but also those times he restrains. Whether we are up or down, at the top of our game or scraping bottom, whether our year has been a year of prosperity or loss, regardless, giving thanks is always appropriate. There's an old Swedish hymn we, we don't sing often enough, it isn't even in our book. It includes the lyrics, what he takes, or what he gives us shows the Father's love so precious. We have to work hard to believe that. What he takes? Yes. Yes. When he says yes the thanksgiving comes easy, when he says no, it's tough to take. We have no way of knowing of what it was that prompted Dave, David to sit down one day and with his own hand originate the words by the Holy Spirit's leading that produced the 103rd Psalm. Whoever it was or whatever it was that prompted this grateful he wrote the psalm. He pushed the pause button in his life, if you will, and he reflected. And as he thought about his God and the favor of his God upon him, he began a gratitude list. Unusual to find such a list in the Bible, but this Psalm is literally a list of the things that he was grateful for. I love the way Charles Haddon Spurgeon refers to it in the fourth volume of his work titled, The Treasury of David. Here David begins his list of blessings received, which he rehearses as themes for praise. He selects a few of the choicest pearls from divine love, threads them on the string of memory, and hangs them about the neck of gratitude. Another great writer of yesteryear, Alexander White, summarizes the list this way. Here in the Psalm, these verses provide us with the law court, he pardons all your iniquities. And the hospital, he heals your diseases. It takes us to the slave market where we see that he redeems our life from the pit. And then the throne room where he crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. And then we're introduced to the banquet room where he satisfies your years with good things. And he concludes with best of all, best of all, these things in the list are true. This is not fantasy. This is reality. And for that reason, I urge you this week, not just Thursday, but beginning today, this week, to hit the pause button on occasion And let yourself be lost in the memory of the months that have passed. Think back over January, February, and March, and into the spring of April and May and June. The months of summer and what those months held for you in the hand of God that was upon you. Remember a few wrongs that you committed. He's forgiven you of everyone as you confess them, everyone separating you from them as far as east is from west never to remind you of them again. Think of the good things he did. The fun of your vacation. The laughter of your family and friends. The joy of time spent with those you love to be with. The sick days he saw you through. Those who nursed you back to health. Those who cared for you, diagnosing the illness and assisting you to find health and strength. Don't allow yourself just to remember the great things But like Job, remember as well the difficult things. Job, who after losing all adult children in a sudden death, after burying them along with his wife with their own hands, He said, the Lord gave, the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He even, in conversing with his wife over their grief, reminded her, shall we not accept good as well as difficulty from the hand of our God? There will be days of great joy in companionship and fun with one another. Oh, but there will be lonely days, dark evenings, long nights. When Cynthia and I were going through my years at Dallas Seminary, four long years, We lived in a little three-room apartment. You had to go outside to change your mind. It was so small. In fact, she typed all my papers during those years, and she would go out into the hallway to do the typing lest she wake up our little baby boy who was sleeping. He was like a bat. He was awake all night and asleep all day, and she didn't want to awaken him in this little room. But this little room That was our living room, dining room, bedroom, all kinds of room going on in there. We decided one Thanksgiving to do something different. We got a hold of a couple of white folding tables, and we went in with another couple whom we loved and felt they would cooperate with us in doing this, and we both prepared full Thanksgiving meals, each one of us. But rather than just bringing our friends and hopefully a family member or two, we invited all the men who were from another country. In those days and in that era, there were only international students from Korea on the campus. None of them had come with their wives and children. They came for four years of study without wives and without their children, whom they left at home. So naturally, the holidays would be a lonely time, and we wanted them in our home. All 17 said yes. We were so thrilled. I said to them, be sure and dress casually because it's a relaxed holiday. We're not going to dress up. They all showed up in white starch shirts, dark ties, and dark pants. They looked like a room full of Mormons when they walked in our place. (laughs) But they came and they stared at the table loaded with food, two large turkeys with all the trimmings and all the extras that are a part of an American meal that makes Thanksgiving so great, along with the pies and the delicious extras Several began simply to cry. One man said quietly, we could feed our entire family for six, seven, eight months from the food that's on these tables. We have such plenty here in America. I looked at the oldest of the group, a man I called Mr. Kim. I said, please, in your own tongue, lead us in prayer. I'll tell you, if you want to be a part of a prayer, ask a Korean Christian to lead you in prayer and bring your lunch. (laughs) He took us from Alaska to Zurich all the way through and such a prayer. I didn't understand a word, but I felt the passion. And I breathed easily when he said, Amen. <laughs> the little film that formed over the gravy, as I recall. <laughs> I said, before we eat, I want you to sing your national anthem. They shot to an attention. Ramrod Street, and they sang at the top of their voice. You could have heard them at the end of the block as they sang the Korean national anthem not a dry eye in the place, including ours, when they finished. Giving thanks, not only for what he had given, but for what they didn't have with them as their families were all away. It's so great when God provides what we ask for Going back to that same time, Cynthia and I realized, shortly after we began to occupy that little apartment, there was no air conditioning in Dallas. And um, we thought, well, that won't be too bad. Well, we sweated our ways through days and nights in the little room, and we decided to pray and tell no one that we would ask the Lord for an air conditioner. I had no idea where we would ever find a window air conditioner. We could never afford one. But we prayed, even prayed through a very cold winter, as I recall, that the Lord would provide an air conditioner. Spring came, and then the first few days of summer, we were visiting our family in Houston, and we were on our way to load up the car to come back to school, and. My in-law's phone rang. It was Richard Parks from our home church. He asked to speak to me, and I got on the phone. He said, uh, hey, Chuck, could you and Cynthia use an air conditioner? (laughs) Yes, we could use an air conditioner. (laughs) My heart was pounding. He said, great, I'll bring it over. We'll put it in the trunk of your car. When you get back, some of your buddies will help you get it in the window. It was virtually a brand new Fetters window air conditioner. We left it on all year long. Winter, summer, (laughs) spring. Well, not really, but that baby put out cold air. And we gave thanks for Richard Parks and people like him. But mainly our faithful God, who met the need that we had. As you look back over the months, remember a moment or two like that, perhaps not that dramatic, perhaps not that powerful in your life, but some of the little things, some of the small ways, some of the quiet, yes, I'll provide that. Yes, this is not my time, but wait, and I will grant you that. It is often what the Lord holds back from us that teaches us the most. I want you to remember that when you gather around the table and take time not only to name the things that have blessed you, but also the things that were painful, that he saw you through. I mentioned this in the first service as I talked about the loss of loved ones, and three people who were in line said to me, this past week they had lost someone near and dear to them. One young man said, my very best friend died yesterday. I had no idea. He said, what you said struck home. Paul wrote, in everything give thanks. Not for everything, but in every circumstance, in every situation. Find room, like my teacher, back in 1944, even in that. Though her dear groom now lies under a white cross in that vast cemetery at Normandy. Had the temerity to pray with her class words of thanksgiving. What he takes or what he gives us. A piece very eloquent and meaningful was found in the journal of an unidentified Confederate soldier following the Civil War. It read, I ask God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked God for help that I might do greater things. I was given infirmities that I might do better things. I asked God for power that I might have the praise of others, I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself my unspoken prayers were answered I am among all men most richly blessed I thought for the last week about things that were withheld from me I rehearsed in my mind a number of Sincere requests I made that received no answers. Answers were ultimately no, and I lived in the anticipation that God would grant the request. Looking back, I realize, as I call to mind various ones, how good it was he said no, how good I did not get what I ask for. I'm a better man because he withheld those things rather than grant me so many of those things that I just knew were the best things for me. So we have both for which to be thankful. Let's give him thanks for both. Before you get up from that table, do your best to call to mind some examples of both. Share them. Listen closely when others do. You'll be unusually blessed when you hear the stories. I want to end my message in a most unusual way. Hopefully it will be meaningful and you'll not soon forget it. I'm going to uh, repeat the words from a commencement speech, not one I delivered, but one that was delivered by Chief Justice John Roberts at his son's ninth-grade graduation several years ago. He talked to his son about it, and he said, I'd like to, when his son asked if he would bring the commencement, he agreed, but he said, I'd like to take a different tack. I'd like to speak realistically rather than idealistically, since all commencements are filled with rainbows and stars and wishes for the very best and as if life feeds us only the great things. He said, I would like to take sort of a backdoor approach. His son agreed, so he began his speech. From time to time in the years to come, I hope you will be treated unfairly so that you will come to know the value of justice. He went on. I also hope that you will suffer betrayal because that will teach you the value of loyalty. Sorry to say, but I I hope that you will be lonely from time to time so that you don't ever take for granted your friends and loved ones. And when you lose, as you will from time to time, I hope every now and then your opponent will gloat over your failure. It's a way for you to understand sportsmanship and the lack of it. I hope that you will be ignored so that you will know the importance of listening to others. And I hope you will have just enough pain to learn compassion. Whether I wish these things or not, they're going to happen. And whether you benefit from them or not, will, get this, will depend on your ability to see the messages in your misfortunes. I love that phrase. Don't miss the messages in your misfortunes. In light of my message today, I would only add one final thought. Learn to give God thanks for each situation, what you would later call good or bad, happy or sad, full of great moments and those times when the bottom dropped out and you thought you couldn't go on. Let's all start doing that this Thanksgiving. Just as my teacher did back in November 1944. I don't know where this message finds you. It's an unusual Thanksgiving message, I realize. Many of you look forward to coming in to a message that would really be lifting you up and you get a downer like this one. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just what you needed to hear. Especially you who slipped in wondering why all these people gather here every Sunday. You feel a little strange because they sing songs you don't know. and and we offer prayers to some God we cannot see, and we give him praise for those things that were painful, it isn't strange at all. You see, we believe the God we serve is sovereign that he has absolute right to guide us through a path that is not of our making. Oh, we set our sights high. We pursue what we believe is the best road to take, only to learn along the way. That wasn't the road, it's this one. And that turn in the way was totally unexpected. May I share, every major move in my life came as a total, complete surprise. Everyone. And to give you some idea of my willingness to go in that new direction, at every turn, I was kicking and screaming. I was fighting it. I kept saying, no, that can't be. It's not, it's not best. This is not the way. And in every case, every time, all six, seven major moves, I look back and realize that is exactly where I was to go. And I seem to be the last one to get the message. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're facing that kind of fork in the road, that kind of decision, that jolting surprise. Maybe something you never dreamed would occur is now taking place. Learn from my failure. Don't kick and scream. Don't kick and scream. Pause. Think. I'm not in charge of my own way. I I don't call my own shots. I I didn't volunteer even from my own birth. I realize that God has had his way all the way through. It may very well be that you, a stranger among us, have come on a day you didn't realize but God sovereignly brought you here. You couldn't have stayed away if you had tried. That's how firmly I believe in his hand upon us. And now that you're here, take a look at the cross that hangs behind me. There once hung on a cross like that, a man who came perfect throughout. He knew, he did, he had no sin and was nailed to a cross that he might pay the price for your sins and for mine. He later died, was taken down, placed in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. and he arose victoriously, bodily, miraculously, and he still lives, and he's the one we worship. He's the head of this church and all churches that proclaim the truth. You're in the presence of the living Christ. You've heard his message from his word as you're about to celebrate a time he has sovereignly provided for all of us. Don't let it just slide by. Don't just fill it with a ball game and a movie. Take time, take time. And if you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, as your own savior, trust in him now, right now. Bow with me, will you? Just for a moment, and we'll be on our way. Here's your prayer. Follow along with your own mind. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Even though I am unworthy, and undeserving, today I realize this one who died for me has been at a distance from me throughout my life. But today I turn to him as my Savior, and I trust my eternity to him thank you for forgiving my sins and coming into my life this will be my best thanksgiving ever because I now have a savior connect with us if we can help you on your journey called the Christian life Thank you, Father, for these moments to reflect. Thank you for saying no. Thank you for those surprising moves that took us where we never wanted to go, yet later realized that was exactly where we needed to be. Thank you for holding back what we begged you for, Thank you for your faithfulness in season and out of season. Make this week the most meaningful week of our year. We pray in the name of Christ, our Savior. Everyone said, Amen.